what it means and why it matters. about the biggest news stories of the day. So obviously, hold on to your hat. We've got a lot to get to before we're done. Um, but I, I just want to tell you, I, I find every now and then when the great scales of the, you know, the, the cosmic ether get balanced from time, it can be a shockwave to a lot of people. But I always find it refreshing. And I don't like it when uh, people you know refer to... Um, uh, people in a, in a negative way. I'm, I'm not looking for people to be derogatory towards one another. But if you're if you're being, uh, you know, a horse's backside, somebody needs to tell you that you're being a horse's backside. Because if you're not told that you're a horse's backside, you're going to continue to be a horse's backside, and everyone is going to hate you for being it. And finally, someone has spoken up and said to Bernie Sanders, "Stop being a self-hating Jew." And that person is none other than the comedian John Lovitz, who has some right to say it, being a fellow Jew himself. Uh, the comedic actor and outspoken Israel supporter went on a tear against the Vermont senator uh, this, this week. Uh, he's Jewish. He declared Sanders the best example of a self-loathing Jew, calling him disgusting and mocked how the senator describes himself as a democratic socialist versus being an actual communist. So that's like asking, are you a Christian? No, 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 I'm a Jew for Jesus. It's the same thing, and by the way, there's a lot of those that do exist, but it's the same thing as being a democratic socialist and being a communist. Uh, Lovett says the only difference is in a democratic socialist uh, situation, you vote for the person, and then they come and take all your stuff away. In a communist situation, they just appoint themselves, and then they come and take all your stuff away. But in either sense, in either instance, you're getting all your stuff taken away. Meanwhile, the elites always prosper. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, Bernie Sanders makes an annual salary in uh, Congress as a senator being uh, about $174,000 for the, the year. Yet he owns three houses in three different places. This is, this is, a, this is a miracle. It's like the, the bread and lo the loaves and fishes. They, they just keep multiplying no matter how few you have. Actually, this is what John Lovitz is getting at. And going after him hard and saying, you shouldn't do this. Uh, that's not normal. He says, no, not on, not on that salary. He said, all my friends that are Jewish, like they, they go, Bernie Sanders, self-loathing Jew, you know what's wrong with this guy, and that's what that is. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you are. I don't like it when people make money. It's not right. Uh, that they should only make so much. Well, then it's enough. Well, you have three homes. You should just have one home. That's none of your business. Lovitz is right. And Lovitz has the cojones to step up and say something that needed, that has been needing to be said across the board. Right now, we don't have nearly enough elected Jewish people speaking up on behalf of Jewish people in this country. And I will just add, when you are someone like Chuck Schumer and you're being quiet as a church mouse in a, in a moment where the people that are marching through the biggest uh, streets in your city, the biggest city in the state that you represent as the, as the leader of the Senate, for the Democrats, you have an obligation to speak up. If if hundreds of thousands of people walk through the streets saying "kill the Jews" or "f the Jews," and you, as Chuck Schumer, sits in your chair and you say nothing, you're like the ones during the Holocaust that helped the Germans bring them all to the ovens. You need to use the power that you have, the position that you have, and the moment that you have to, to stand up and speak loudly. Now, as an evangelical Christian, I try to do that. I try to say, 
look, I have many Jewish friends that contribute to my radio shows and my television operations. We, we go work hand in hand and I'm very glad and happy f- to be able to do that. I love my friends, but I have watched with great pain personally to see the degree of anxiety that they have experienced in understanding that no one has their back. Sure, Joe Biden comes out and says some nice words, even words that were interpreted in Israel as being supportive of the, of the Israeli people. But when you have Kamala Harris coming out just a few days later and saying Islamophobia is the biggest problem of, of anti, uh, whatever in the country, you've missed the point. And that's what John Levitz is tired of. He's tired of Bernie Sanders saying one thing and trying to take advantage of being that one thing while doing and representing something that is completely the opposite. Now, the question becomes, do you call someone self-loathing? And here's my very simple take on it. If that's what they're doing, and they're sending their own fellow Jews to their destruction, you know not, not only should, you should scream it from the top of the nearest mountain as often and as regularly as you can, which it seems like John Lovitz is trying to do now with some of the media that he's doing. I mean, he describes himself as a socially liberal but fiscally conservative guy. This isn't like some wild white right-wing radical that is uh, jawing at, at Bernie. Um, but he lamented how Democrats have always said they were pro-Israel, but now the party has shifted so far to the left that the squad is the one that's in charge of promoting the policy of what the Democratic Party stands for. And if you don't believe me, just take a look at this, at the continuing protests, how they continue to bubble up in numbers, how Elon Omar, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, Rashida Tlaib and others uh, continue to join them in their marches and seek solidarity with them and, and talk about the, the crying uh, children of the terrorists as opposed to the babies that were turned into charcoal on October the 7th. The, the rule of thumb... The sense of equal justice and fair play are not at work. So it comes down to people that have a microphone, that have a platform, that have the ability to say something about it to actually do so. And if you noticed Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and kind of the standard uh, titular heads of the Democratic Party came out and said, Hamas is bad people. We can't trust them. Can't trust their numbers. Can't trust what they're going to negotiate with anything. I mean, Netanyahu's in a tough spot. If, if, if they're going to get negotiations done, you, you do it on conditions. And when you release X number of hostages, then we'll give you ceasefire for this amount of time. But that's the way it's going to work. It's not going to be, uh, we're going to call a ceasefire and then you move the hostages some more. You're going to release people, you devils. You're going to release them, and they're going to go free. We're going to take them back to their family. And for everyone that you killed, there will be a penalty that you will pay in some in some way. Restitution is not coming for you. Judgment is. But we're giving you a chance to at least on some level lessen what that impact would be by being good people and saying we will we'll stop our operations for a period of time. But you break your word, you go back on it, you don't release the, the hostage that you say you will. Game's on, friends. And Rashida Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elon Omar need to get over that. They need to understand that there is no equitability in this matchup. Israel was the victim. Hamas was the assassin. And now Israel is doing what they must do in order for the Jewish people to survive on planet Earth. It is not by mistake that people are chanting in the streets as they go about their day, death to Israel. Kill the Jews. F the Jews. As they chant these things in louder and louder numbers on college campuses and across big cities, uh, if, I, if I were one of my Jewish friends, I would be scared to death as well. So, friends, tonight we need to pray for our Jewish friends, but we need to work for their benefit. We need to speak up when asked, and even when not to sometimes, just like John Lovitz. It's got to change. Hopefully, with people like John Lovitz, people will be inspired to. That's my thought. Kevin McCullough, coming right back. Hi, Kevin McCullough. It's hard to believe, but the holidays will be here before we know it. So why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises? Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff go above and beyond with absolutely every detail. 
Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party or looking to do something exciting for the holidays, why not take the party off land and on to sea? Call 212-633-1231 or visit NewYorkCruises.com and see how Captain Fred and his first-class yacht crew will make your special occasion an unforgettable day. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagement, and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar, bat mitzvahs, you name it. Call 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today. Or visit NewYorkCruises.com. That's 212-633-1231 or NewYorkCruises.com. Do you ever feel like the world is falling apart? Do you ever feel like your world is falling apart? Tune in to the Jordan and Kristen Rickards Show on Tuesday evenings at 845 as we discuss the challenges of living in a broken world. This Thanksgiving, if you've got relatives who rub you the wrong way, kids who get under your skin, friends who don't understand, and co-workers who continue to get it wrong, remember, they could not be there at all. Be grateful, because at the end of the holidays, despite their faults, there are people in your life to care about, and people who care about you. And by the way, we're grateful for you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. AM 570, The Mission. Like AM570 The Mission? Then don't forget to like us on Facebook so you can find daily encouragement in your newsfeed, share your thoughts about the mission, read inspirational articles, interact with our hosts, and find more information about our advertisers. Like us on Facebook today. Listen to The Mission WMCA anywhere you go with the AM570 The Mission mobile app. Download on Google Play, iTunes, or listen to TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. Did you know that you've got choices? That there can be a better way. Did you know that you've got choices? Call Dr. Lee to me today. Two on two choices, a much better way. Two on two choices, call Dr. Lee to me today. Did you know that you've got choices? That there can be a better way. Did you know that you've got choices? Call Dr. Lee to me today. Two on two choices, a much better way. Two on two choices, call Dr. Lee to me today. Dr. Lederman, Cancer Treatment, 1384 Broadway. Hi, Kevin McCullough. You've all helped support MyPillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular products. You've heard me recently speak about the MySlippers, the Giza Sheets, the MyPillow 2.0, and more. But some great news, the MyPillow 6-pack bath towel sets are back in stock. They are extremely absorbent and still provide that cushiony, soft wonderfulness that you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. Regular price, $79.98. For a limited time, you can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code WMCA. That's a 50% savings. So go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798 and use promo code WMCA to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. That's MyPillow.com or 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle is back and bigger than ever. For five years, the Christmas Mortgage Miracle has made it possible for you to win next year's mortgage or rent. This year, we've raised the grand prize to $18,000. To pay for next year's mortgage or rent. Increase your opportunity to win when you enter up to once per day and complete optional bonus tasks. Go to WMCA.com and enter to win the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes. That's WMCA.com. 
You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors and Sullivan Broadcast Studio. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. Welcome, Kevin McCullough, back with you. And we look forward to getting into today's biggest stories. Uh, we start the show off with a very interesting report out of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, and they have done this uh, before, where they have rated the different uh, states and different uh, areas of the country on the basis of their ability to see themselves as free. You may think you live in a relatively free area, but let's find out for sure. Uh, Jonathan Butcher is joining us. He's a senior research fellow for the uh, Heritage Foundation in the Center for Education Policy, and he joins us uh, tonight. Jonathan, thanks for being here. Um, I, I started seeing headlines. I was traveling last week, and I started seeing headlines from overseas that New York, the state that I based from, uh, was was not very good. In fact, it, it ranked the worst in terms of total freedoms for its citizens. Um, what did this year's report card find out? And maybe before we even get into the results of it, why does the Heritage Foundation uh, look into the states based on this uh, set of criteria? So we're trying to create a roadmap for lawmakers to create an education landscape where every child can succeed and every child has the option to choose how and where they learn. We know that there are states such as New York that spend a lot per pupil and yet don't get a lot of return on investment. Their test scores are not what we think we should be getting for the amount of money uh, that's spent per child in these schools. So how can we change that, right? What are other states doing that spend less per child but have seen remarkable progress in terms of student growth and closing achievement gaps? Places like Arizona and Florida in particular, which do have options for students to take scholarships, to attend private schools, even to customize their education, as well as low levels of regulation so that schools can do what is best for their students without having to worry about what uh, may be coming down from the State Department of Education, telling them how and uh, in what ways to operate. What's interesting about this, Jonathan, is that um, I don't think there's a parent alive that says, I want to send my kid to a crummy school. I, I think that the average thought of most parents is, I hope that my kids are getting well served and get a good education. But in recent years, and as the unions have gotten stronger, and COVID really exposed this in a way that was quite powerful, it seems as though less and less, particularly in the public education arena, though it is starting to spill over into the uh, private school sector as well, but it seems that less and less of it has anything to do with learning, and a lot of it has either to do with indoctrination of worldview or some other agenda that isn't even related to the child. Um, how does... This come into a, uh, how do those factors factor into the report card and, and what you guys find? Well, look, a crisis will show our true colors. And what we saw coming out of the pandemic was what and who districts turn to and who they're listening to when there are times of crisis. And it was unions. Unions were able to uh, uh, flex their muscle, right? They had pictures in the White House uh, shortly after President Biden took office. And then once the pandemic set in, it was, in fact, the unions that were pressuring districts. And by telling their members that their members didn't have to go back to work in person if schools were to reopen. And that, of course, put parents in a very difficult situation, right? Parents needed to get back to work, and of course they wanted their children to continue learning. So what do we look for in states, right, in a way that demonstrates they're putting parents first? Well, let's take what we know as a parent bill of rights. We saw states across the country uh, over the past year, but especially over the last 10 years, adopt what uh, adopt these, these bills of rights, which say that a parent is a child's primary caregiver and that the state can't do uh, anything to interfere with that relationship unless there's a compelling governmental interest and it's the least means necessary. And that's a key perspective for uh, district board members to have. It's a key perspective for state lawmakers to have because that then drives uh, efforts to create more choices for students in education. That is the kind of perspective that says we can allow parents to choose a school for their child, to choose a personal tutor, to find an education therapist, to find an online class that will help to supplement what that child is learning. So we're restructuring the whole perspective around K-12 education uh, to reinforce that relationship that parents have with their children. 
There's nowhere where that relationship has come, down, uh, come under greater fire than the policies set forward by the administration almost on day one. Um, with the, I, I kind of call it a sexual anarchist agenda, where you, you come in and, and you're not dealing with math or history or language, but you're trying to talk about pronouns and body parts and uh, referring to things that are purely fantasy, um, saying that little boys can be little girls if they just want to be bad enough, and then insisting that the schools go along with all of this. Even after... There were examples from across the country in various states where this mentality and these policies led to dangerous situations, particularly for young girls. The administration doubled down. And just yesterday, the president was talking about um, all the all the lives that have been lost of transgendered people. I, I don't know that we could even um, uh, come up with a list that was that, that was very long for such an occasion as that. And yet the number of students that have been injured and hurt in this um, force-fed agenda that the schools are having to put up with is is starting to grow rather significantly. Parents did get involved, but it has not seemed to sway the uh, federal policy as of yet. What does the report card uh, indicate in terms of, of these types of issues? So our report card is looking at what state policies are dictating for schools. But as you know, the U.S. Department of Education has significant leeway to force or compel. Sure, to force or compel what state departments of education do, which then, of course, affects what happens in the classroom. Great example of this is the way the Biden administration is trying to change what is known as Title IX of the Education Amendments to the Civil Rights Act. By changing this title, they're trying to redefine sex to mean sexual orientation and gender identity, which really removes the protections that women fought for, especially in the 1970s, so that they would have the same opportunities as men. I think this is a clear um, piece of ideological warfare that is uh, meant to put women and girls at a disadvantage. And we can see this in sports, for example, right? You can see it in the ways in which women are injured when they're playing everything from field hockey to uh, the way that they consistently will then lose in cross country or swimming when a boy says they're a girl and wants to compete. Our report card has model legislation that is available on our website that talks about what a school board can do to make sure that when it comes to single-sex sports, that it remains just that, right? It remains single-sex sports for people who are born either a girl or a boy. And there's language in our model bill. I love the fact that the report card has so many um, actions that can be proposed and, and taken advantage of. Tell the viewers uh, and, and those who are listening uh, how they can get a copy of this and what you would suggest that they do once they do receive a copy. So our report card is available on the Heritage Foundation's website at heritage.org. And on the side, there's a link that will say model legislation. And you can find our model school board policy as well as our model bills around school choice and parent bills of rights on that site. And you, you should take that to your school board, right? You should be talking with your lawmakers in your local area about how they can use some of these things to protect children, especially girls. Once again, that's heritage.org, heritage.org. Jonathan Butcher of the Center for Education Policy, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. For over 150 years, the Salvation Army's mission has been to bring the hope of salvation to every corner of the globe. With a heart to God and a hand to man, its dedicated pastors, staff, and volunteers work tirelessly to feed the hungry, care for the sick, clothe the naked, be a friend to the lonely, and bring light into the darkest of situations. Join this army in sharing the love of the Savior by heading
heading to SalvationArmyNY.org. Through the practical example of Jesus Christ's indiscriminate love, the Salvation Army meets human need every day in 134 countries. In New York, the Salvation Army walks the streets to share Jesus' love with the homeless, provides thousands of nights of shelter, and serves millions of meals to the hungry. Join this army in sharing the love of the Savior by heading to SalvationArmyNY.org. SalvationArmyNY.org. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And we're the owners of South Coast Tax. We started our company 10 years ago in an effort to help our fellow Christians experiencing tax issues resolve their matters by taking a simple three-step approach. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We're also a small firm who will treat you like family, not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 1522 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176. 76, and together, we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Are you tired of going online every day and getting news meant to make you afraid and anxious? And all that meaningless celebrity gossip fighting for your attention? Want something different? Something positive? Make your homepage Christianity.com. Replace the bad news and fake news with the good news. The life-changing gospel truth meant to encourage your daily walk with Christ. With daily devotionals, answers to life's tough questions, and meaningful Bible study from your favorite pastors and authors on today's current events and issues, you now have a homepage that reflects your life and your faith. Don't settle for the negativity and superficiality that the rest of the Internet offers. Instead, choose a homepage that will uplift you and strengthen your faith. Join the thousands of others who have made the switch to Christianity.com and experience the difference that good news can make in your life. Don't wait any longer to make a change. Choose Christianity.com as your homepage today and embrace the positivity and inspiration that comes with the good news of Jesus Christ. I knew one mom and she was always criticizing her son-in-law, her daughter's husband. This is Focused on the Family Minute with Dr. Mike Bechtel. And they would get in these discussions and she would always say, well, why does he do it this way? And, <laughs> and why can't he be like this? And it would really upset the daughter. And finally, her daughter just set up a boundary. said, you know what, Mom? I love him and this is who I'm married to and this is between him and me and we're just not going to have this conversation. And the mom said, well, don't be foolish. It's, I'm just asking questions. And she said, well, that's fine. I appreciate your questions, but... We're not going to talk about this. Mm. And then she said, well, then maybe I just won't talk to you anymore about things. I won't call you. And she said, well, I'll miss our conversations, but we're not going to have this conversation. She made a very simple statement and just repeated it. Didn't explain it. Didn't go on. So to build something that says this isn't going to happen here. More from Mike Bechtel at FamilyMinute.org. to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors & Sullivan Broadcast Studio. Obliterating confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity, it's Kevin McCullough Radio. Welcome back, Kevin McCullough, glad to be with you. Normally hosting that Kevin show weekends on the Salem News Channel, but glad to be with you this Thanksgiving week. Um, do you remember that very comical news headline that came out the first year that Joe Biden was in office and how he saved you nearly $1.63 on your Thanksgiving Day turkey dinner? Well, has it gotten better or worse since then? Uh, my next guest says it's much worse than we fear and that Biden inflation is making Thanksgiving more expensive than ever. Ken Davis is the former Virginia Deputy Attorney General, and he joins us now. Uh, General uh, Davis, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you being here. Um, how bad is it? Well, 
it's certainly much worse than the government reported figures. Uh, each month, the um, the administration, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, puts out a CPI number, Consumer Price Index, which they uh, say they calculate to um, cover a representative basket of goods and services to come up with what we have to pay, typical Americans have to pay for everyday uh, items as we go to the store and the gas station. Um, the most recently reported figures showed an inflation rate for the month of October and for the year going back to last October uh, that were somewhat lower than uh, predicted and somewhat lower than uh, in the recent past. It was 3.2% they reported for the year. Now, the problem with that figure, there are two problems, really, with what the administration tries to do with uh, its reported CPI figures. First, um, they celebrate anything smaller as a CPI inflation rate as lower prices. You'll hear them say repeatedly that inflation is lower. Americans are better off. But a lower rate of inflation is not the same thing as lower prices, of course, because the price increases measured by the inflation rate are cumulative. They stack up one month after the other. And so um, slower is not lower. Slower going up is not going down. So that's um, some spin on their part. The other thing, of course, is that inflation has been very high, much higher than uh, during the Trump administration. It's been very high all through the uh, Biden administration, the highest inflation in four decades. And so even if the rate of further increase fell to zero, we're still looking at a cumulative price level increase during the Biden administration of close to uh, 20 to 25 percent as measured by the government's own figures. And as far as turkey dinners go and Thanksgiving, what ought to be a Norman Rockwell moment of celebration turns out to be a, a real struggle for millions of American households because uh, food has gotten so expensive, including all the items that we include in a uh, in a turkey uh, in a turkey dinner. By a lot of measurements, a Thanksgiving meal for the family is 30 to 35 or 40 percent more expensive this November compared to November 2019. That is uh, not surprising if you've been paying attention and looking at the numbers, but Mr. Davis, uh, Ken Davis, a former general, former uh, deputy attorney general for the state of Virginia, I want to just point this out. And my radio listeners and some of the viewers here at the Salem News Channel have heard me uh, bang this drum for a long time. We could we could almost end some aspects of the inflation overnight by simply becoming energy dominant once again in the um, production of and the facilitation of our own energy resources. The cost, since the CPI has a connection to the energy cost that Americans use, but it's also, it's kind of a double whammy because it's also part of the price fixture that every person creating a good or service is passing on to that customer as well. So not only am I as a normal dad paying more to put gas in my car, but every carton of eggs, every gallon of milk, everything that I buy, everything that I do has that cost also added into it. So I'm getting bled twice on the fact that we are being, um, you know, voluntarily energy subvert, uh, submissive to the rest of the the uh, universe. And instead of being the energy dominant supplier that we were during the Trump administration, former deputy attorney general for the state of Virginia, Ken Davis, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. You got it. Kevin McCullough, coming back.
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every year, Food for the Poor, our very good friends, uh, come back uh, to Salem, New York, and they talk to our radio station's audiences about the great work that they're doing. And they remind us that there are people who are hungry and who are thirsty. Paul Jacobs is back with us. Paul, uh, we are trying to help people in the countries that you've just returned from. What did you see when you were there? I was just visiting a community and just, I mean, you think you land in the airport in places like Honduras and you drive out over an hour far from the city, far from the lights, and you meet families like Lourdes and Wilfredo. It was striking when I met this couple because Wilfredo was permanently injured on the job. He is no longer able to work, and it's left to his wife to bear the responsibility of being the provider for the entire family. The shame on this father's face was palpable. You could see it in his face. You could see it in his eyes. But what struck me was when she said to me, as a mom, she only earns probably $2 a day working two and three jobs. I, I was fascinated with the fact that she she kind of held it together. You know, she told her story about the children not eating every day. Sometimes she would have to save her meal for tomorrow because she didn't know if there would be a meal tomorrow. But when she looked at her children and she would talk to me and tell me how they struggled, she would look at her small children and she would tell me how they don't eat every day. She would look at her small children and then she looked back to me and the inevitable happened. That one tear broke. Her eyes began to well up. The shame and the hurt on this mother was so evident. And I dare say that your gift of a gift of $175, your generosity, would turn that mother's heart back into hope because she can feed her children properly. Friends, give that mom hope right now. 855-907-4673. That's 855-907-4673. You can also go online to WMCA.com. AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA. Listen online at WMCA.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too. For over 30 years, it's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing, too. If you join before November 30th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another $150 savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but just call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's November 30th. So call now and you'll save even more. Here's the number. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to give my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. To Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors and Sullivan Broadcast Studio. If it's happening in New York or across the globe, learn why it matters first on Kevin McCullough Radio. Hamas uh, continue, that uh, there's been a little bit of a double standard when it comes to uh, the reporting that is done. And this was brought home for me even more strongly 
as I was out of the country last week and the footage and the coverage that I did see, uh, even more of a slanted uh, viewpoint in terms of the anti-Israel angle. But what real impact is this having? Let's turn to Newsbusters managing editor uh, Curtis Houck. Uh, to discuss this very real media phenomenon. Curtis, I don't think anybody thought going into the conflict between Israel and Hamas that Israel was ever going to get a true honest shake at decent coverage. But what is the real story? How has it gone down? Yeah, I think the first thing it reminds me of is like a little bit after COVID, where like the first couple of days we're all in this together, the media are sort of kind of doing their jobs, displaying the horror of what went on at the kibbutzes and talking about the hostages and making the hostages the real focus of the story as it should be in the brutality of Hamas, calling this a terror attack. But then, you know, a few days later, the media kind of got their narratives in place. They started talking to people in Gaza, their producers, their stringers in Gaza, who really only report what Hamas wants them to at risk of their own lives and to those of their families. Uh, propaganda coming out of Hamas really saying, you know, what does Israel have a right to respond the way that they are? And look what they're doing. They're killing these innocent men, women and children, um, you know, and they promote these very dubious death tolls from the Hamas controlled Gaza Ministry of Health, which is anything but a ministry and it's anything but health. Uh, it's just basic statistical propaganda. Um, as we saw during the hospital bombing, uh, that we saw when they, the media, liberal media rushed to claim that Israel was to blame for, uh, a hospital fire in Gaza. Um, the media were just, it was just too good for them to check. Uh, and now as we see with the tunnels and under the Al-Shifa hospital, the liberal media are saying, you know, we can't independently confirm what Israel is saying. But when it comes to things Gazans are saying, they're, and Hamas is saying, they're not going right to saying, you know, we can't independently confirm this or they say we claim this. Um, the focus is more on, uh, you're just saying Israel's making these claims and do they really have the goods or not? The onus is on Israel in this war, not Hamas. Well, and that's exactly the uh, problem that I think that people of good faith are encountering. And as we think about this, I, I, I encourage those who are listening to ask yourself the question uh, of what good is a media service to you if it does report the numbers from the Ministry of Health uh, in Gaza as gospel and refuses to acknowledge anything that uh, Israel says. And I will say, Curtis, you know, when the, when the IDF comes out and they do a press conference, they, they're doing it in broken English. Sometimes the syntax is a little bit off. And, you know, sometimes you think, you know, they, they, they'll say things like we have concrete evidence, blah, blah, blah. And then they don't explain themselves. I think there's ways that if they're trying to get the message to the Western world, maybe stay in the native tongue and let the news translations uh, take over over from that point but from the pure credibility standpoint of this there's no comparison between the two sides and as we see these stories reported then you're having the on the ground kind of viral impact of gopros and iphones and other things that are demonstrating things like the idf helping uh, innocent um, gaza civilians getting out of towns that hamas are killing people in who try to leave i mean those stories never get told Right. And I think, Kevin, the broader argument and the broader thesis that I've seen and I've said in previous interviews with folks is that the liberal media in this case, the media in this country, the media overseas, Western media have rediscovered both sides of them. After six years, uh, I guess you could call the Trump era, of saying, well, there really aren't two sides to a story. It's whatever's true, what's factual, what basically whatever we want to report or whatever we say the truth is, that's it. We don't have to talk about the other side because not only is the other side wrong, the other side is dangerous, and you really don't deserve to hear about it. And fill in the blank, whatever adjective, emptying of the source you want to use to describe the other side. Now, in this war, it's no, 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 we have to hear from both sides. We have to talk about how children on both sides, families on both sides are caught in the middle. Uh, people on both sides are struggling. They have to both sides, both sides, both sides over and over and over again when the facts are one side started this. There was a ceasefire in place before this war. It's really only guests that are pointing this out on these networks. So it is being mentioned, but it's not being mentioned necessarily always by the news anchors of the 
journalists themselves, which is an important context that's missing because in any story, you want us to go through the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And the media aren't really doing that. Uh, like we see in a lot of domestic stories here in the United States, they're not doing that here in the name of making sure that Gazans have their voices heard um, when really this is about an atrocity that Hamas started on October 7th. And what's going on on college campuses is you, in the B-roll footage there, the coverage that we've seen on that is rather interesting because they always, uh, some of these stories make clear that anti-Semitism is the real problem, but they almost have to play lip service and mention Islamophobia on the side. They mention, oh yes, CARE says this. CARE says hundreds and thousands uh, you know, of reports are coming out about Islamophobia. But then they go very quickly back to anti-Semitism, which is also dishonest. It's just lip service. Um, right. And it shows that journalism is really about public relations. It's not actually about telling the truth. And the truth is that anti-Semitism is the real problem on college campuses. Uh, and it's being fed by rhetoric such as that from Congresswoman Rashid Tlaib. Well, there's no doubt about that. And it, what was interesting, at least it, it caught my attention in the beginning of this conflict, is that Joe Biden himself, um, Hillary Clinton, others came out and said, we're not going to believe the, the numbers from the Gaza Ministry of Health. We're, we're going to stand with Israel. And at least initially, the kind of titular heads of the uh, Democratic Party were in agreement that standing with Israel was in their best interest. That seems to have waned on some level, starting with the uh, need to uh, start this, uh, you know, government initiative to combat Islamophobia that the vice president then announced a few days later. Curtis Hawk, managing editor of Newsbusters, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Let me tell you about a very interesting new book that has just been released and some are saying is a must read. It's called Two Creations, Bara and Asa. And the author, Emmanuel J. Charles, reveals the secret of creation from the book of Genesis. He reveals that life on earth was not evolved, but created by Almighty God. He explains that the first three verses of the Bible should be considered as three distinct events that took place in four different eras of earth's history. This book presents undeniable claims supported by logical reasoning, scientific evidence, and biblical truth. This book gives pastors and professors the ability to teach the creation account in churches and academic institutions boldly, without any doubt or hesitation. Many young students are walking away from their faith due to the lack of evidence to refute the theory of evolution and the promises that they will finally find answers in this book. Visit Amazon.com to get your copy today. Buy your copy of Two Creations, Barah and Asa by Emmanuel J. Charles, today. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-555-2085. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems. And if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about 100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. AM570 The Mission doesn't have to stop when you turn off the radio. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Download the app. Just search AM570 The Mission. Take us wherever you go. AM570 The Mission. WMCA.
you need to know when you need it. It's Kevin McCullough. My very last few minutes with you on this broadcast for this week. I will be back Saturday night at 9 o'clock for That Kevin Show on the Salem News Channel and on 300-plus great radio stations coast-to-coast. I hope that you will join us at that time. We will we will definitely be engaging in some <clears throat> humorous looks at the news throughout the week. Did you see the birthday cake that uh, Joe Biden nearly set the White House on fire with? Uh, yeah. We just just give the writers uh, till Saturday night. We've got a great assignment desk weekend planned for you, and I hope you'll join us. Now, someone who may, some people have thought that he may have been writing SNL parody type stuff, but he certainly wasn't, is uh, Representative Dean Phillips. You know, you know Representative Dean Phillips. He's the congressman who has launched a, a long shot, and by long shot, I mean it's not even within uh, a football field's reach, but a long shot of trying to knock out Joe Biden in the in the Democratic primary, the score round. But something he said this week got under the skin of at least part of the administration. He said at one point in time, I hear from others who know her a lot better than I do, that many think she's not well positioned, Phillips said of Harris. He went on to say she's not well prepared, doesn't have the right disposition and the right competencies to execute that office, meaning the presidency. Uh, Phillips also said that Harris's approval numbers are even worse than Biden's. The problem is... The congressman, who may not be making friends with his statements, is telling nothing but the truth. If you look at the approval ratings, Kamala Harris is the most incompetent, least successful, poorest performing vice president in the history of our country. And it's not even close. Now, she may not like that, but she's been given her chance. She was put in charge of the border, did a big fat nothing. She's been put in charge of other policies and gotten about the same results. She's now in charge of the campaign against Islamophobia, whatever that's supposed to accomplish. Because Islamophobia is such a big deal right now with Arabs marching in every street and every city across the country saying, F the Jews, F the Jews. I, I, I don't, I just don't see how Islamophobia is really the focus of where we need to be, uh, thinking about right now. But Kamala Harris, wow, she's, yeah, she's there. It's all, she's all about it. Here's the here's the real uh, thing that's rubbing her the wrong way. She'll never be president. Kamala Harris has a horrible reputation amongst the people that just work for her, much less the people that would vote for her, for her ability to just deal with people. And whether you like them or not, the people that have been elected president over the years, especially in the modern era since uh, Richard Nixon, almost to a T, uh, people will say that they greatly admired the person. Maybe the person was flawed. Maybe he cheated on his wife or maybe he was a little too brash on Twitter or whatever. But they will tell you over and over again that these people have have a way about them that puts other people at ease when they are near them. Kamala Harris has the opposite effect. Somebody sees Kamala Harris coming towards them. They run in the other direction. My gosh, who could put up with that laugh? <laughs> kind of the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. It's it's terrible. But then you add to that the fact that when she ran for president the last time, she started out with a bit of a percentage. And by the time she quit, which was just before Iowa, she was polling at literally zero in the polls. No one thought that she had what it took to become president. And she needs to understand that. She needs to be a big girl. She needs to move on. 